Welcome, horrible people, to the Horrible Opinions Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kenny. And I come second, Daniel. I'm Touch the Box Ryan. And today, we're going to discuss the 2022 soft reboot of Hellraiser. Let's get into it. Okay, let's dive right into it, fellas. Daniel, what can you tell me about Hellraiser? A millionaire occultist, Mr. Was his name Mr. Void? Voigt. Voigt? Oh, Void's a better name, so I'm gonna call him Mr. Void. But for the purpose of this, I'll refer to him as Clive Barker. That's fair. Clive Barker is a millionaire occultist, and he is getting people to solve the puzzle box thing that summons demons that then do bad shit to you in hopes that that he'll get like a wish but he mysteriously vanishes after he gets a fuck boy to solve the box and fuck boy gets pulled apart by chains and then we flash forward six years and then we meet riley is that her name that's riley yep who is a troubled young lady with drug and alcohol abuse problems, I think. And she has a sketchy boyfriend, and her sketchy boyfriend secretly is working for Doctor... Not Doctor, for, for Clive Barker. Okay, I said elevator pitch, not spoil the whole movie. Oh, okay. He's not He's not sketchy. <laughs> he doesn't work for Clive Barker. No, he is sketchy. Oh, he is sketchy. <laughs> here's, why, here's how you know he's sketchy. He's got a really nice apartment, but no job. Good point. So he gets her to steal the box. Yeah, he gets her to steal the box. A series of events unfold where uh, various people in her life accidentally solve the box, get cut by the box, and then disappear. And she has to investigate, diving deep into the occult to figure out what is going on. There you go. There you go. Ryan, do you want to explain the difference to Dale between synopsis and a summary? No. I want to talk about how the opening of this music, st- or music, opening of this movie started with some rolling engine sounds. immediately made me think of meatloafs and i would do anything for love because it has a rolling engine in the beginning and so i laughed at the beginning of this movie okay uh new drinking game for our five listeners is every time ryan makes a meatloaf reference in a podcast episode uh, you take a shot but i won't do that (laughs) did you guys have high hopes for this before you watched it yep i had no hopes because I have seen the Hellraiser franchise. But this is the first one in a long time that was written as a Hellraiser movie, right? That last one was decent. Oh, I didn't see that one. No, Ryan and I watched it. You talking about the one, the first one where they replaced the main guy? No, the second one. The The first guy that replaced Doug Bradley was awful. It wasn't so much his... Oh, there was, one, there was one after that? Yeah, and he was good. And the way that one ended was Pinhead, the the priest, he uh, he was tor- turned mortal as punishment. That was the only way to make him suffer was to take away his power. And uh, I thought that would have been a great setup for like a little Hellraiser series where Pinhead has to go reclaim his hell power as a mortal. That would be good. I'd watch that. Right, and it crosses over with Highlander. What? But- it crosses over with Highlander. No, I heard that, but what? And Richie doesn't block. Why? I don't, what? Why? Why not? No, you, no, no, you tell us why. 
Why not? I asked you a question. I said, why not? <laughs> That's not how this, you can't just say something. You cannot just say something super crazy and then just say, why not? This is what he's doing, Daniel. He's creating a he's creating a verbal hell box that we have to solve with our words and our minds. I did that at the start. And once we do it, we're going to get torn apart. <laughs> the chains shoot out of the wall and Duncan's over there. Ching, ching. Ching! Chopping them off with the swords. Uh, now I'm on board. I like this. That's what I'm saying. Did, did any of you write down all the different configurations of the thing? No, I was going to look it back up. I had it looked up last time to see because they, they go in the different Lament Cubes configurations. Some of them aren't cubes at all. I'd argue that most of them aren't cubes. Yeah, let's file that under plot hole. Did you like this movie? I love this movie. Yeah, I also love this movie. All right, we all loved it. Turn it off. Now, <laughs> as, I, as I told you guys, I was very into watching this movie, so I forgot to take a lot of notes. So I'll just go ahead and... Yeah, at a certain point, I stop. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my the quick rundown of my very few notes. First one is, uh, this is sarcasm, for those of you who don't catch this, but uh, wow... So gay. I'm surprised. Clive has got to be pissed about that, macho man, that he is. <laughs> I, this movie could have been a lot hornier. We got past three pumps. That I did write that down. Oh, good catch. Good catch. Yeah. Yeah, we all got that. My next note was, surely there's a fun cube toy to play with in real life from Hellraiser. Why don't any of us own one? And apparently, I think Walmart is selling that as one of those. Is it expensive? It's a STEM toy for children. Is what I'm seeing. I, I can't confirm or deny that that was real. Are you looking at Rubik's cubes? Yeah, it's, that's just a Rubik's cube. No, 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 no. It was, it was, it was straight up uh, looking like the uh, the mint cube. And then let's see. At some point, someone says this cube is dangerous, or they're implying that, and then they immediately pick up the cube. Oh wait, are you are you talking about this movie? Or are you talking about a commercial for the Walmart toy? I thought he was still talking about the commercial for the toy. No, no. I did too. And I was hoping <laughs> that they immediately pick up like this plushie and then like chains come out and just rip this little kid apart. Look, I, I would buy all of them if that was the commercial. That's the Walmart commercial we want. That's the one we need. No, that was the movie. Let's see. I would say I'm tired of rich people being evil, but you wouldn't know if I was talking about the movie or not. So I guess it fits. And then I got then I got real dumb with it and I said, These are Cinnabites. I miss the full sized ones. Oh my god. Oh jeez. Yeah. Yeah. You really did just start watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then I said, wait, we can sacrifice the baddies? Mm, yeah. And then I was just I was kinda upset about that. Man, they're just doing their jobs. Like that's rude. So my notes at the start before the movie like gets super deep was all had to do with how everything was super easy at the start. The fuck boy twists the thing two times and the puzzle's done. But of course, you realize later on that he's supposed to it's like already partially solved so he can just come along and solve it. I was thinking about that, too. And it's like, did Bill and Clive Barker like have a like puzzle solving thing where he knew like, OK, don't do this last twist because that's going to be done. I guess. Yeah, probably. I would like to own if there's like, a prop. Like the notebook prop, they do like replicas of that with all the cool occult writing in it. Yeah, that'd be cool. I called that out and then I was also like, wow, this safe was awfully easy to crack into. But then that's also on purpose. There's a lot of things that you're watching this movie going, wait, why? Yeah, there's a lot of things that I thought were mistakes and things that would bother me like, oh, super nice apartment. You don't really have a job, though. Two things made me laugh at the beginning of this movie. One is the, is the ridiculous meatloaf rolling engine sound at the very beginning, okay? <laughs> Second one, the opening sequence happens in Belgrade, Serbia. Mm -hmm. And as we're watching this woman, we don't know her name yet, we hear that bum bum. Bum bum. 
It's pictures of scenery. There's nothing yeah. nefarious or anything happening. It's just pictures of Serbia. Is Eastern Europe super sketch? Are we? It's just so sketchy that it has its own ominous soundtrack they're playing it on the loudspeakers so everyone remembers like to me that scene was very reminiscent of the very opening scene in hannibal you know where i'm going with that the series no uh, no the movie no haven't seen that in a minute you've got the two characters one of them selling him the hannibal mask but it's in the box and we don't see it at first Hmm. Hmm. An interesting thing that only you can speak about. <laughs> and I appreciate that. That's I'm going to have a lot of those this, this season. <laughs> I got a feeling. Um, yeah. So Kenny and I are just going to, we're just going to back up and you go ahead. I've got at least 36 things to say about this movie. My comp, I would like to compliment. Can I throw a compliment? This movie showed great early restraint. When the brother gets abducted in the bathroom, you see, do you see shadows? I don't even know if you see shadows, but you just hear things. Oh, it was so good. And even backing up before that, I agree with you, Daniel, even up before that, so the character who who was the- Joey. The fuck boy who gets torn apart, he's just in the background, not even in focus. Right. You can see his body lift, but it's out of focus. We're focusing on Voight in that moment as he's got the newly configured Hellraiser cube and doing something to it. So like, yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. That they're- waiting to introduce us to the gore whereas in the the original hellraiser it was torn apart right in front of our eyes within the first 10 minutes yeah which is good too great fun fact this is one of my 36 things that are the trivia on imdb in the bathroom scene there is an autograph of tony todd on the wall and a small drawing of a Blair Witch stick man figure. I wondered if that's what that was. That is a fun fact. Thank you for that. I uh, I didn't notice the Tony Todd autograph, but I was also wondering about the Blair Witch stick man figure. That, that I seen. I noticed the Blair Witch thing, yeah. I wouldn't have thought anything of the Todd autograph. Opening of the movie done, the cube is an old rich, evil rich guy. Something happens and then it's six years later and then later on we learned that there's six Lamont configurations for this cube. I know I was waiting for one more reference to a six, but I don't think I ever got one i was trying to go for a six 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 can i try and name the six configurations without knowing them yeah go for it okay life which is is that leviathan no life is resurrection life is not resurrection but keep going it's not no life is lament shit i've already lament i've already fucked this uh, power sensation i think that's actually all i have i want you to do their actual names no not what they represent okay leviathan Uh uh-huh that's one lament two uh that's all i got <laughs> we go okay i'll go in order that they have it listed here lament two out of six <laughs> ain't bad no it's pretty bad take a shot take a <laughs> shot lament is life lore is knowledge lauderant is love liminal is sensation lazarus is resurrection ah and leviathan is power which i really wish i knew what each one of those would give and how they would twist it yeah what do you think uh resurrection would have done Brought him back, but like as some like messed up zombie or something, probably like how it always works with like a monkey's paw story. Like they're going to come back, but it's not going to be good. Yeah. Wishmaster. That's what I wanted. I want a Wishmaster reboot. That's the whole thing I was thinking after this. I was like, give me a new Wishmaster with this budget. Is this your wish? Daniel, Daniel, pop quiz. Who, who are the who are the characters we're following through the rest of the movie? You're following Riley. Got Riley. Riley's the former... Pill popper. Sure. Now I've got some, I've got two male names. One of them's a brother and one of them's sketch boyfriend. Trevor and Matt. Trevor is sketch. Matt is brother. I was going to say boyfriend, but no, brother. Yes. They both start with a B. Matt, Matt is brother. I didn't, I didn't get the other roommate's name and, or the boyfriend's name, but you're following that group of, uh, 
Not friends. Not friends in the, the TV show kind of sense. Although, you add Hellraiser to friends? Better show. Better show. Pinhead would never wish Keanu Reeves was dead. So no one told you life was gonna be this way. Chain, 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 chain. Yeah, I, I like that our, our main group here, like, uh, they're together, but they don't really enjoy each other's company. Like, we got the, the recovering addict girlfriend who's, or sister who's with a recovering addict boyfriend who maybe they're not recovering so well together then you've got the brother who's just trying to get riley the sister to like clean up her act so he's letting her stay with him and then you got the his boyfriend who's really just you know trying to also be supportive colin colin and then at one point you know the brother kicks riley out when he thinks she's relapsing and colin's like no just go back in there you this don't make a bad decision because of one bad night so like it's all strained like they care about each other but they hate each other just like i i hate you guys <laughs> wait us? and i don't and i and i don't care yeah just just like that I think that's a much more interesting dynamic to have, especially like in a horror movie, instead of like, oh, we're all best, we're all besties. And a little conflict, yeah. Yeah, a little tension. You're not going to mention, what's it? Matt's boyfriend Colin was reading him some, oh, some sweet dark poetry. Oh, God. I saw that and I was like, yeah. I had to go find the Lord Byron poem. It's called Darkness. It's a poem about what happens to the world when the light from the sun and stars goes out and we're cast into an eternal night. Hmm, interesting point made by ryan i hate this <laughs> you can cut my whole track <laughs> let's go with favorite parts anything involving the cenobites anytime the cenobites make their entrance and like the walls move especially the part in the car oh god. in the fan oh oh my god i love that oh th how be how beautiful is that which you know what that's on them why did they leave her alone when she's bleeding out in the back of the van to argue about directions oh you're bleeding you're I don't want to touch you. I'm sorry, Daniel, but I think that if I'm driving away, there's not going to be an interdimensional portal that stabilizes in the back of the vehicle. Sure, but you know what? There's two seats in the front. You don't. Not three. Do you know how two. hard it is? So that third person has to be in the back. You, of all people, should know how hard it is to get blood out of, you know, vehicle upholstery. I don't know what you're talking about. Nah, don't even worry about it. The entire climax, like back in the mansion, the end of the movie. I really loved it when they went to Clive Barker's house. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, man, I loved this movie. The whole movie was my favorite part. Him building a way to trap them in. That's cool. Yeah, the classic. I didn't build a, a fortress. I built a prison. I built a cage. Yeah. Who's he? Voight. Uh. Clive Barker. Yeah, John Voight. Mr. Voight, the millionaire occultist. Yeah, played by uh, Goran Viznijic. Do I know him from ER? Is that how I know him? Oh, is that him? You know him from lots of things. Is that him? D just answer the question if he's in ER or not. Yeah, he's in ER, 185 episodes. He played Luka Kovac. There you go. Ooh, nailed it. There you nailed go. It. He was also in Electra. You want to just make this episode about his career? <laughs> kind of. So the problem with this movie is that it's good. Correct. <laughs> There's one thing that's wrong with this movie. It's just too good. I'm going to tell you what my favorite, one of my favorite visuals about this movie is, and I'll see if you caught it. Okay? You ready? We haven't even mentioned that when we catch back up with Mr. Voigt that he's got this thing inside of him that's like pulling on his nerve endings. Yeah, literally pulling on his nerves. The scene where Riley, she, it's after she gets 
gets the box and gets kicked out of the apartment. She takes three pills because everything's a fairy tale. Everything in three. She drops them on the ground first like a yucko and then takes them. Yeah. Five second roll. And then uh, so then she goes climbs over a fence and goes into the playground area. And the color on this playground is perfect. It is red and blue. And the way the colors on all the structures are to me, it looked like veins moving through muscle. Oh. And she lays down in the merry-go-round, which is in the very center of the playground, and starts spinning around. And all I'm thinking is, oh my god, they're showing us a heart of the playground. Oh, the body imagery, all beautiful. I love it. This is a great movie. This might be one of those cases where it, it is it would be cool if they had that thought when they were doing it. And then like in an interview, it's going to turn out that... They didn't. They just had the location and they're like, yeah, this will work. Yeah. But I like your, I like you reading into it. I like what you're saying. There's no way that's the case. Here's why. There's a shot when the brother is out looking for and we see a towing truck travel by and on the towing truck, the metal beams going across its back form a cross and there's chains on the cross and you cannot tell me that was not planned. I think that was planned. I'll buy that being planned. You and I had similar thoughts in the playground scene. I, when that happened and she was laying on the uh, spinny thing. What's that called? I also thought, I also thought that would make me sick. <laughs> Those thoughts sound nothing like what Ryan's <laughs> thoughts were. Oh my God, I couldn't do that. Ryan's thoughts were like intelligent and like he had thought about it. You was just like, man, I get dizzy. <laughs> yeah, that's, I feel bad about it. But that was, every time I see something like that, I'm just like, oh my God, I can't do that anymore. I went on the teacup ride with one of my daughters. And I didn't want to spin. And she looked at me all sad. I want to spin. I'm like, oh my God. And I spun it. And you're like, you're a little Cenobite. For the next hour and a half, I thought I was going to throw up. Cannot do spinny things anymore. And that's that's my personal hell. Did she look at you and say, save your breath for screaming? <laughs> she did. Oh. Another line that I like is when she is hanging out with uh, the boyfriend. And I think he says that they're just being lonely together. <sighs> Such a romance guy. But of things we should say, from this movie, I think we all need to incorporate the we have such sites to show you line into our like daily it worked great for your job. I definitely say, I've definitely, sure, 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 sure. Man, do you guys have any good bread? I have such smells to introduce to you. Mmm. Ah, we have such what's the line? Uh, line? Oh my god, you already, we have such sites <laughs> to show you. <laughs> We have a couple crackers we could pass along your way. Mm, bread, hard to come by these days. Ah, sir! We have such sights to show thee. Save your Young. breath for eating. Sa <laughs> this movie had good lines in it. Yeah. This is a real movie. Yeah. It's, it might be the best movie we've watched. So far? Uh, yeah. Wall to wall. I'm not saying it's the one I enjoyed the most. My only complaint is that it could have been hornier. You wanted more of the uh, BDSM in there, yeah? Yeah. Not just chains for torture, but you wanted chains for fucking. Yeah. So that first movie, it was, what year did that come out? 80s? Anyone? <laughs> Brian, you, you don't, you don't, you don't have this on the top, on the top of your head? <laughs> Through some creative editing, I might. Oh yeah. The first one was in 1987. Yeah. At the time, you could probably get away with a lot less sexual stuff, especially regarding gay people on stuff, on, in movies and things than you could now. So I think they really could have pushed it further than they did. I mean, how much less? Are we talking, is there a limit on how many pumps we can have in the sex scene? I believe at the time they could only have, what was it, three? After three, it became offensive, apparently. There were a lot more than three in this, so they pushed it there. I was going to say, did anyone count the pumps? I didn't count. I, did, my, I stopped counting after three because I was offended. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I seen three pumps, I was like, we broke the three pump barrier. 
We need a rewatch now to see if there are six, because if there's six, then I get my six, six, six. Oh my god. Point being, could have could have had more sexy stuff. Rai Rai, you and I have both read The Hellbound Heart. Ryan, would you agree that uh, at the very least for Pinhead, this seemed a lot more accurate to his description? Yeah, because I mean, in uh, Hellbound Heart, only referenced as the priest, never referenced as Pinhead, right? Right, right. It's the priest. That one's, yeah, more androgynous. I equate it with like, almost with, like what a Catholic angel should be, like, having all the genders and yet genderless at the same time right we're not talking one of the like thirty thousand eye ones right we're, we're not talking about the three-headed version no but uh, another variation on it so also i love that the dress that the priest pinhead is wearing is just more skin yeah i like the change to like the little pearl tipped dressing pins yeah instead of just a flat end almost nail looking things in doug bradley's it made it look this time it made it look a little more i don't know more elegant in the brutality when she pulls it out and then sticks it in right right because like the priest's more so than any of the other Cenobites, is horrifying, but also beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way I can think to describe it. Like, it's so pretty, but my God, that is terrifying. You want to hug it and dance with it and kiss it (laughs) and switch it and run away and... (laughs) Oh my, no, this is one of the best lines. So what happens is the roommate Nora, she gets stabbed in the back with one of the configurations by evil rich guy Voight. And before she gets, oh, do you want your hellbound heart literature reference in this movie? Yes, please. Here it comes. So Nora, when she's being led to the van in a very soft voice, she says, I hear bells. And in the short story, whenever Kirsty is sensing the presence of the Cenobites, her mind is just getting overwhelmed with the sound of bells the entire time and then once the cenobites arrive at the house in the novel the sound of bells moves from her head into the actual house so i'm like oh i know what you're doing there i love it i love it so much i have a question shoot is the concept of having someone solve the box for you is that intro is that in the book no no is that in the first movie? No. Because no. I think it's introduced in the second movie that I haven't seen. Because isn't the second, because I think the second movie, again, I haven't seen it, but I've heard people talk about it. I, so I think the second movie has a, a doctor, like in an insane asylum, having his patients solve the box for him, I think. Why are you trying to distract me from the best line in the movie, Daniel? Sorry, what's the best line in the movie? So it's it's when Nora gets pulled into the, the hell realm after the back of the van gets sucked into a hallway in a beautiful, I mean, simple to do, but beautiful shot. The priest, Pelizer, is like asking her, like, what are you praying for? And she says, salvation. He says, what is salvation? A joyful note without change, without end, heaven. There's no music in that pulls out that pin and then sticks it right through Nora's throat and we get the inside shot of the throat as the pin's piercing the yeah. flesh and the little vibration on the pin as it, as her musical notes change. I love this movie. It's so good. What was your favorite Cenobite? You do like the chatter. You imagine what he could do at your ankles. The freaky one. You gotta be more specific. I know, I know, I'm working on it. <laughs> that that uh, had like the weird thing coming off of her head. That came down, like, almost looked like Twi'lek, and then her throat splayed wide open. I like the one that was all fucked up. That one was new to me. I don't think we had one like that. That one seemed like a new design. Am I, am I remembering incorrectly? Well, it might have shown up in one of the many sequels. Her Cenobite uh, was called The Gasp. Yeah, because that's how she was speaking, too. I like that, in, like, the this movie is called Hellraiser, but it's not about the priest. It's not about Pinhead. All the Cenobites kind of have their very good parts to play within it. The Cenobites are an ensemble, whereas the previous franchise was focusing primarily solely only on Pinhead. Oh, it's really about a... Uh... It's really about a group of Cenobites getting together to help a uh, young girl overcome her uh, alcohol and drug abuse. 
that's what I liked about this one, and the fir- and the original did it too. Like the the Cenobites are not the focus of the story; they're a result of the characters' actions, the 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 humans' actions. Like it's the humans are causing all this chaos. Yeah, Mister Void has orchestrated all of this. Yeah, the, the Cenobites are literally just the agents of the chaos. I mean, it's they're not supposed to be the focus. Yes, the priest is kind of the leader-ish of the Cenobites, just because usually has the most speaking lines, and for whatever reason, that's also the design that kind of stood out most to people, and that's kind of where a lot of the sequels lost their way, was just too much Cenobites. It's like getting Jaws and then just staying on the shark the entire time. Putting the shark on a bus so we always saw him all the time driving around town. So I can't really... This, this is the first time that six configurations has been introduced into the mythology. Is that right? Okay, that was that was another question I had. Yeah, I thought the entire thing in the past was always just the lament cube. I didn't think we got like wishes and shit. Yeah, I thought you just solved it once, right? And it was supposed to be really hard to solve. Well, it seems like anyone can do it because we have so many different movies. Well, it wants to be solved. Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say I remember much about most of the sequels other than they sucked. In the first movie, it's not the hands that call them, it's the desire. So it's your desire to solve it more so than your ability to solve it but that's first movie or you like like you said kenny this feels like a a soft reboot of what it is yet it's adding a lot more mythology to it so i just couldn't remember if all these different configurations had been something that was introduced somewhere before or if that's new for this movie can you name all the ways that trevor is a, de- a deceptionist piece of shit apartment riley matt nora colin they're all staying in this smaller apartment and there's matt the brothers telling riley that he he's, he can't keep covering her on the rent so it seems like there's some money issues going on in this smaller size apartment and then when we go to trevor's apartment it's this massive open spaced flat and he's moving paintings around so yeah apartment number one what else also after they get caught fucking and the roommates are preparing a meal he bolts out all awkward like oh i love that oh my god that one actually felt reasonable to me <laughs> we've all been there let's see the the big giveaway for me was when uh him and voight started talking oh you mean oh, when, yeah, they, when say they just it. come right so out and the... say it <laughs> yeah that that was that was a dead giveaway movie. yes the the heist on the to get the cube is a giveaway too because it was so easy. Well, and something that I noticed about that entire I don't know what this movie if there is a message about I think it comes back to desire because he's telling her when he's talking about this to go steal this thing he doesn't say what it is but he keeps telling her not to do it but he's doing it in that reverse psychology way to where everything she does she's doing it by herself it is her own agency that's propelling her to do it so she's uh you know cracking open the safe. She's the one who reaches in and op- takes out the box. She opens that box and she's the one who takes out the cube. She's the only one who touches the cube. He never touches it. And I'm watching all these things going, what? This this seems weird to me. I didn't catch up. I didn't catch him not touching it at all, but like everything else, yeah. He never touches it with his hands. There are points in the movie where she says, hold this for me or take it. And he says, don't you believe me? And he's like, yeah, I believe you. That's why we need to get rid of this thing. He keeps telling her in this movie to get rid of it but she doesn't do it. And there's a scene where he wraps it up in a jacket and is trying to walk out and she stops him from walking away to get rid of it and makes it give it back to her. It's just this thing where what is it like, what is his motivation really through all this? 
Is he a douchebag completely? Money. He's getting paid. Oh, he's getting paid. I think he starts out as a douchebag, but grows feel, catches feels. Yeah, but he's also such a big douchebag that the reason he's doing it that way is so he can be like, hey, I told her not to do it. I can sleep at night. I told her not to do it. But no, his his reaction whenever, um, what's her face, Riley, like, gave him the box, like, he kind of, like, had a little freak out. After he gives her the box and sends her home, when she goes to his apartment, we get a scene of him beautifully butt-ass naked in the shower. But it's one of those shots, this is the character washing away some kind of, some kind of torment or something ah. bad that's happened. That's like, this is what this scene is supposed to do, but we don't know why it would be in the movie at this point. And so it's because he thinks he's killed her and all those other people. Because if you count them, you need four people to unlock that box. And it's her and her th- the three roommates. There's the four. That's fair. He's trying to wash it away. Guilt. And then he is surprised to see her when he opens the door. And she hugs him. He does not hug her until she jumps up on him. That also could be because he just took a shower and he's clean. She just came in from the streets. Like, look, if you're dirty and I just got out of the shower, don't touch me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, your, your read is completely off. I think Kenny's got it. Don't, yeah, don't touch me. Did Trevor deserve to die? Yes. Yeah. He's taking advantage of a recovering addict. I mean, Riley, by all accounts, seemed like, you know, decent chick. So he he kind of preyed on that, preyed on the loneliness. Yeah, sure. Maybe he was motivated by money, but that's when has that ever been a good excuse for being a dick? On the flip side, he's paid to do a job. He's just doing the job, you know? But I was thinking before, all the way up to when he gets her to get the box... I think he's acting the intent to, they're all, he knows they're all going to die once they take these things or something really bad is going to happen to him. Okay. But after that, he is telling her, just leave it alone. Get rid of it. Don't mess with it. Throw it away. Get rid of it. So I'm wondering after they don't die like they're all supposed to. And now he, that's when he like grows a conscience. Well, he thought it was going to be easier. And now he's got to actually like work to make it happen. You, you, you think he's even then when he's telling her to throw it away and to leave it alone, that's still his back doorway of just getting her to do it more. Not at that point for me i think he does start to feel bad and i think it's because well she hasn't died yet so he's growing more and more attached he's seeing them struggle through all this like i think he's like oh i done screwed up but i do also still think he's in so deep that if she did die at that point he'd be a little bum but hey it was still the job my issue is do i care that he died no he was a dick but do i feel like he needed to die at that point no and that's because we established that they could have stabbed any one of the cenobites including the one that was right there in the room with them with the thing and that would have worked just fine so this is the moment at, during your your tabletop role-playing game where you've been doing this really hard encounter and your players are just going down and then one of them figures out oh this this item i can use it on the enemies and the and, and the gm is just like oh you've solved it there you go yeah and that whole setup when they figure that out and then they're like okay yeah, let's uh, let's let's try to lure one of these things in here and stab it. I love that. But I also think it's a little ridiculous how easy it was to trap the chatter in a door. Yeah. You're going to tell me like a hell, a hell beast, like it's just going to be stuck in the door like that? It's a magic door. We're going to say the door is made of iron because iron repels all evil. Okay, you want to say that? We've established that the Cenobites can open a gateway in a moving vehicle. You're going to tell me the priest is trapped in a little room just because it has iron doors on the side? Are the walls made out of iron? Well, it's magic. It's uh, made out of... Of a cult raw refined occult the only thing i'm going to say to that is the only reason they start beautifully shifting walls into this other dimension like ah beautiful is because that's a person who's being taken and trevor has not been isn't being taken 
They've told Riley that she needs to stab other people and feed the puzzle, but she's refusing to do it. And so now they're trying to force her to do it. So the only one they can take at this point is her. Right, because they tricked her into stabbing herself, and then they're like, hey, you get us more people, we won't take you. Right, but th that's why they, they're not opening, pulling the wall away, because it's just to take her, and they don't want to take her. They want her to feed it. Right, the only justification I found for it was it's not them opening the walls, it's the cube. That's where I was going with that. Like, they don't have the power, it's the the cube is the doorway. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. But with the whole um, stabbing them and them ripping themselves apart, they chose not to take Riley and say, hey, you can go get us other sacrifices. They didn't have to take their own dude. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's, it's puzzle box rules. Puzzle box stabs someone. Well, it's... It's like a contract. It's a contract of sorts, so they do have to. It's a verbal stabbing contract. <laughs> it's good for one year. You stab somebody, anybody can stab with the box. Doesn't matter who. Look, it's, I don't make the rules because it's like you say, Kenny, it's not their decision. It's the cue. But they chose not to take Riley. So they have some choice there. But what I love about that is he's like, oh, fuck, it's the game. He fucking, he gets cut by it and he just backs up, put his arms out like, here, here we go. Well, he's going to like it. He's gonna love it. Getting stretched out like that? Mmm. Okay, yeah, we 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 briefly mentioned the the Voight guy, you know, his original wish, because he finished the cube at the beginning of the movie, and then he disappears, and we're like, well, what was his wish? And which one was his again? It was pleasure? Since sensation. Yeah, and so they basically they put this weird, like steampunky gear thing with strings, like massive thing through his chest and back that's periodically pulling on his nerves, giving him extreme pain. Well, the strings are his nerves. I mean, I guess that's sensation through the lack of pain. Like I'm sure he feels great when they're not being pulled on. No, he's feeling the pain. He's feeling all he's feeling all of that. That's what I'm saying. You feel the pain, but in the moments when it's not pulling, that's got to be the good feeling. Like, it's not called good sensation. It's just sensation. I, look, hey, potato, potato, or tomato, tomato. Either way. <laughs> um, so he wants that gone. Don't know why. Right? And then they're like, oh, you don't like, uh, you don't like our gift? Like, okay, well, how about we can trade it? I don't even think he needed to finish the cube to, to trade it. She, the priest seemed okay with trading it in general. And as soon as they're like, well, yeah, maybe you like power. My first instinct was, yeah, he's going to get turned into a Cenobite. So how do we feel that the, the main villain in this movie gets rewarded at the end? He put in some work. Well, he put in the time, so... They were impressed with the, his devotion and work. He, this entire movie is him auditioning. I liked it because we're following the Cenobites version of morality. We're not following mm -hmm. ours. Gift? Like, they're bad gift givers. Ultimately, yes, they are bad gift givers. They're giving people what they would like, what they see <laughs> as good gifts. So don't do a white elephant with Cenobites. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the moral of the story here. So I watched all the credits because that's what I do. And when it got to the music, there was an instrument that I had never heard of before. Ooh, lay it on me. I don't know the pronunciation. Stro, S-T-R-O-H, or straw, a stro violin. If you have not seen one of these things, go Google image search it right now because it looks like a violin unlocked the cube and made a deal with a Cenobite. It's this combination of wood and metal that makes it truly look like something they would they, they would play within the 
the, the hell cube. This fucking looks like the thing that was in his back. Okay, it looks like uh, it looks like a violin slash blunderbuss. Yeah. Like is that a is that just a horn attached to it? Yeah, that's just a horn. Like if I if I play the right note, you're gonna get blasted with scattershot, and I'm gonna you know fiddle on your grave. I love this movie. I love that this movie has all of these little things in it. It's like it's the Easter eggs that I wish Shark Side of the Moon had but didn't. I can I, I'm getting them here. <sighs> I can get so many things that Shark Side of the moon didn't have from anything else well about to hit the old uh, dusty cheney trail Mm, i gotta get my hooks in order i've got pins to wash i've got a a horseshoe my boy uh i got some pills that i dropped on the street uh Ooh, can I give a recommendation? Give a recommendation. Uh, Hellraiser. Mm, yes. Okay. Um, other <laughs> other recommendations I would have if you liked this movie specifically. Um, anything from this director, honestly, David Bruckner. Recently, he had he had success with The Night House. It's a trip of a movie. I didn't love it, but I get why other people did. The Ritual was pretty good. I love The Ritual. Yeah, The Ritual was pretty good. And then he had some segments in the Creepshow series and in the first VHS that were both pretty good. And then his first feature-length film was The Signal in 2007. Oh, can we, one more thing. Can we talk like the first time we see the cube? It's so it just we see the the four corners of it and then the camera slowly pans around and we see that it's actually not a cube. It's this, it's elongated column. So it's been warped. Oh, my God. Cinema. <laughs> yeah, I was more like, what the fuck did they do? That's not a cube. It's not the lament weird diamond thing. Well, it's the lament configuration. I didn't remember that. I always just referred to the whole cube itself as the lament cube. Who broke it? Someone's gonna be in trouble. But now we know. Lament means life. I like to imagine in this universe there's you know how there's like Rubik's Cube competitions where they do it real fast? I want to see who can get through all six configurations the fastest. You think it's like a six-man team? Yeah. Like, and you just have, I don't know, like puppies at the table to stab to get through each one. What the fuck? That's Airbud 13. <laughs> okay, horrible people, uh, let's get the hell out of here. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> As always, I've been your horrible host, Kenny. I've, I've been Daniel and will remain being Daniel. Yeah. Go read Darkness by Lord Byron. This has been Ryan. Bye. Bye-bye. I still love you.